do you find the will to fight back against a world that wants to keep you sedated, average, and stuck in place? Join us for the tools and strategies you need to create a life of abundance, discipline, and high achievement. This, this, is, this is the Tactical Empire with Jeff Smith. Welcome to another edition of the Tactical Empire. Today, we have a guest who is a serial entrepreneur, new resident of Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, <laughs> a man that makes his own path in life uh, from Colorado to Arizona. Uh, today, we have Chad Whitfeld on. And Chad, welcome. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time today, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Yeah, you're like a mystery man. So I, I'm excited to talk to you and, and chop it up. You came from landscaping to crypto to real estate. Your bio is very interesting. And uh, I, uh, I can't wait to unpack some of it and see what brought you here. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's so funny is uh, when I go back and visit, you know, aunts and uncles and whatnot, they, they see I have a fantastic, incredible life. And they'll, Chad, what do you even do? And I'll tell them exactly what I do. And we'll Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't get it, but that's great for you, you know, yeah. and um, it's been a fun journey. It's been a fun journey. And ultimately, it started at a very young age. You know, I started my first company at 16. And truth be told, it wasn't really much of a business. It was just a job that I owned, right? Okay. At that age, you know, I got into the, the whole landscaping thing. And I never really grew it to a company that was bigger than myself. But that really set me off on the path um, very quickly. At a, at a young age and it's just been iterations of, of fun ever since. Yeah. I, I think that's how most people kind of fall into their first business. It, it, that's pretty normal. They just do something that they can target to make some money. And yeah. uh, so, so what'd you parlay that cash flow at a young age into? Uh, you know, what's funny, man. I actually had, I actually paid myself, paid my way through college. So, okay. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, you know, in Michigan and the, the, the path that's destined before you as a young man living, growing up in the Midwest is go to college for four years, get a, get a degree in engineering or finance and come out the other side. You might make 40, 50, 60 grand a year at the height of your career working for GM or Ford, you know, settle down, get the white picket fence. One day you might afford a boat and that's the fantastic life that the Midwest, you know, sets, sets before you. And, um, yeah, so I, I ended up going to school for five years and never took out a dollar in debt. And so not necessarily proud of that. Um, I think, you know, going, going back, obviously hindsight's always 2020, but, um, I'm not exactly sure I would do that all over again, to be frank, but it got me to where I am. And so, um, I take, take the journey for what it is. Okay. So college and then, and then where'd you go after that? Yeah, so I failed my first business um, at 21. Um, it just dissolved. It wasn't. It wasn't a big blow up. However, my next business at 23 left me virtually penniless, and um, and that was at the time I had just graduated college. I was leaving from Michigan to move to Colorado, and on the drive, 24 hour drive, um, you know, I find out that my business partner essentially just robbed me blind. And so here I am in a new state, no, no business, no job, no income, no network, no nothing. Um, and I think, I mean, there's a lot of lessons to unpack from there, but 
um, being left virtually penniless and having to rebuild from nothing. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I got this lease at this house. I got to figure out how to pay it. I got to figure out what the next business venture is going to be to get myself out of this hole. And I was literally parking cars and valet in downtown Denver, 40 to 50 hours a week while building my next business, um, you know, 40 hours a week. Right. So sacrificed a ton of social life and all of those things you want to do in your young to mid twenties. Um, and then within that first year outside of that, we ended up closing on our first apartment building with a syndication group and it's just kind of grown ever since. So, okay. So real estate investing is what you do pretty much full-time now. Yeah. Amongst, amongst other things. Yeah. I am a full-time entrepreneur, um, investor and, uh, and, and real estate is a, is a large component of that. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, um, what are your passions as far as like business? I mean, what, what are your interests? Obviously real estate, but there's some other things that we had discussed crypto and things like that. What mm -hmm. got you into that space? Yeah. So honestly, the experiencing the MRR from owning real estate was a really pivotal moment for me because I would do a deal once and every single quarter that deal would pay me. And I would just honestly forget about it because I was making money other places on acquisitions and consulting and all those components. And so it was just like, oh, nice. Like I just got this random check for a couple grand that a deal I did three years ago. That's fantastic. You know, and you get those every quarter and they start to accumulate. And I went back to Michigan, visited a high school friend who was, who is, who was and is easily the biggest geek in the world. <laughs> and if you're, if you don't, if you want to be smart, hang out with smart nerds, like you will learn just vicariously through them and they're going to put things in your head that you don't even know exist. So nerds, like in high school, being a nerd wasn't cool, but like today being a nerd is like really cool. I'm telling you the nerds is like, they'll help you make a lot of money. Um, so yeah, he had a, uh, long-term rent single family rental and the, the lease for his tenant was up. And instead of releasing them, he decided to mine Ethereum in that entire house. Granted, this kid, he was not very well organized. He was one of the messy, you know, messy kids drinking sodas and candy, nerding out over stuff, as you probably paint that picture. And you walk into this house and it looks like it's something out of the movie. I mean, there's Ethernet cable or spider webs of Ethernet cables and power cords. And this entire house has GPUs mining Ethereum in it 24-7. And this was, you know right before well this is about a year and a half before the height of the market right so the market corrected in november of 2021 so this was like you know late 20 or this is like late 2019 and i just remember being so infatuated by it i had never seen anything like it before and he pulls up his operating system of this hive and i just see the money he's making you yeah. know and you then you run the cash on cash returns um, you start looking at the numbers of what it, you know, how much you have to spend to acquire the hardware, the cash on cash returns. You start running your expenses on your electricity. Like this is insane. Like the money to be made was absolutely absurd. And so I knew nothing and I went and took 20 grand and bought my first mining rig, had absolutely no idea how to set it up and, um, eventually got that one up and running and, you know, you got a full-time employee salary plugged into your wall, making you you know, money every single day. Right, and pretty right. quickly, um, I developed a partnership with another guy. And at the height of that, we had about $2.5 million Ethereum mining warehouse 
that we were running out of. I exited uh, about three weeks before that market correction. And um, so, yeah, it was just cash on cash, man. Cash on cash returns was fantastic. And ultimately, you know, I think you can have a lot of conversations with people that they have this really, really long and well thought out why and passion and all of these things behind this business venture or that business venture, or whatever their journey may be. But the truth be told, when I was 16, I didn't care about landscaping. I wanted money. Right. Right. Like and, <laughs> five years ago when I decided I'm getting to get any fear mine, I didn't care about GPUs. I didn't really care about validating trends. I didn't care. I just wanted to make money, you know? Right. And so I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I am very profit minded and uh, I run my businesses and my investments and my, and my decisions as, as such. Yeah. There's a, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're going to work, it should be profitable for sure. For sure. Um, so you got into your first syndication. What brought you into that particular apartment complex deal? Yeah, it's a crazy story. I, like I said, so when I got to Colorado, I was penniless. And at that point, my whole world was turned upside down, right? So I wasn't even really thinking about what I was going to go do next. I just knew I needed to clear my head, right? Mm -hmm. So I can think again. And I'm really into bikes, mountain bikes, dirt bikes, motorcycles, all that good stuff. And I go and put my mountain bike in my car and find a little bike park. And I just wanted to blow off some steam and kind of clear my head. And like I said, I had lived there for a single day, maybe two. And there's this young guy in the parking lot. And truth be told, I, you know, I struck up a conversation with him just to meet a friend. You know, that's all I wanted to do. And I just goes, hey, man, it's a sweet bike. And da da da. And what do you do? Oh, I just met these guys. We're going to start buying apartments together. I'm like, no way, man. I've been interested in real estate for a while. Yeah, you should come on by and like come meet the guys and this and that. And, you know, at that time, um, I was able to to have my value proposition in the company um, build out our customer acquisition systems, right? So I run all of our traffic, our funnels, you know, for credit investors and deal flow, um, and that was my my stamp to to get my name on some deals. And that's that's still what I do to this day. Been, so digital marketing is your like was one of your backgrounds? Is that accurate? I wouldn't say it was my background per se. Um, I just knew, I just thought it was interesting and I could figure it out. You know, okay. I was just willing to figure it out. Um, so. So you built lead lists and put together investor lists and did email campaigns and things like that. Yeah. I just top to bottom wrote. And we, like I said, was, I've been doing this for uh, seven years now. Right. So it's gotten far, far more robust than where it started. But at the time, yeah, it was like, yeah, I was a rookie. I was a rookie for sure. But I made it work and um, we got our names out there and uh, we're able to take down some deals on that accord. But yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, where where did you guys buy at? Where are you? Buying mostly at? in the South. Yeah, mostly in the South. Um, even to this day, I don't work with a single company who acquires property in, in blue states. Mm -hmm. um, so you're talking Texas, uh, Oklahoma. Um, know arkansas more more southern southern gotcha. areas gotcha so, that's smart you yep. know smart 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 um so what what does the future hold for you you just moved are you getting into different stuff or are you still working with that same core group of syndicators 
lead investors and GPs. Yeah, yeah, still still working there. Um, starting to entertain and and play out what it could look like to move more into a licensing model and modeling after her, her Mosey's gym launch offer that he had, and uh, you know made him extraordinarily successful. Um, everything's been super done for you, super custom, high ticket stuff, and um, starting to kind of rethink that model a little bit, and really ultimately. You know, just deciding if that's really going to attribute to the type of life I want to have in the first place. Because mm-hmm. um, truth be told, it's pretty it's pretty easy living right now. I don't know exactly how much more complex I want to make it. So, kind of walking through that. Um, but yeah, eventually, end goal at one at some point. You know, I'm 30 now. I think maybe by my late 50s, I would really like to see myself as a KP a key principle or yep. you're just the guy with the liquidity net worth and experience signing on loans to push deals across the table. Um, I think that would be a fantastic place to, to work towards. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. For those of you that don't know what a KP is, it's a person that, like he said, signs off on the loan and their, their net worth really covers the liability of the overall deal. And you get a portion of the deal for that service. Which is typically a very healthy portion because you're very, they call you a key per a key partner because you are a key to the deal most of the time. So. Yep. Yeah. Cause and and for those of you that don't know that you're, if you're putting together syndication, someone on the, on the note has to have a net worth that exceeds generally the price of the investment. So if you're mm-hmm. going to take down a hundred million dollar property, you need someone in the deal that's worth a hundred million dollars. So, right or background for those of you listening. Um, well, yeah, that's definitely a goal to aspire to. And uh, you you seem like you could be on track for sure with that much timeline in front of you and runway for sure. Um, but again, let, let me circle back to my question, which was what do you want to do next? Beyond the key principle, you've got 25 years between now and then. Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's going what's gonna to bump you to the billionaire status? You know, it's a great question. I was actually having this conversation um, just last night at dinner. You know, um, for me, I don't really think I have much of a desire to reach that status in the first place. I, I know those guys, multiple, yeah. right? They yeah. live a very different life. And I think I'm, I'm a professional. I'm realistic and I'm a professional, right? I don't look at the end result and not understand what it actually takes to get there. I'm very, very perspicacious in understanding of the inputs to get to that output. Yep. And I don't necessarily think that's for me. And that's completely fine. Yeah. You know, like I said, I have several friends who are who have multi, multi-billion dollar companies. Dude, just to get on their calendar for for a dinner, like you're scheduling a month and a half out, and they might reschedule you three times, not because they don't like you. Yeah. Just because that their life is an eclectic, crazy web of, of business and, and obligations. And, um, and you know, not everyone's built like that. Not everyone's cut out for that. And I certainly don't think I am, you know, my, my, you know, it's a cliche, right? My work-life balance is, is very real to me, you know? Sure. Um, I, I personally really enjoy not having to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case that you need to, to actually, you could argue that it is, it is necessary to get to that level, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. 
So we, yeah. we only have such a finite time of, of amount of time on the planet, like to get right. to to that level, you you've got to optimize it and you just <laughs> compress multiple days activities into one day, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I'm of the same thought process. I mean, I don't know that there's ever enough per se. I don't I don't like that question either. But uh, I, I like I like working focused and I like working hard when necessary. And then I like experiencing everything with I've got four kids and a wife and I, I'd much rather use the fruits of our labor to enjoy all of that rather than be bound to not being flexible and free. And yeah. so <laughs> there's a there's a filtration process we run a filter we run like all of our business decisions through and and one of those key indicators is like does it take away your freedom of location and freedom of time and then if so what is the ROI on that investment of time investment of physical location yeah 100% Hundred percent, and and ultimately, it you really just end up asking yourself why, right? Like, I'll give you a quick example. So, um, this past year, I hit a I hit a new milestone in business and in health. I got in great shape and took my business to a new level, right? So, I bought myself a twelve thousand dollar Rolex Mariner as like a as a token of accomplishment, right? And what's so funny is you get a watch like that, and you know, for me, I was like a it was a you know, milestone, right? I thought I was going to, it was going to mean so much to me. And, uh, for the first month, I'd say for the first like three, maybe four weeks, I was, I was wearing that bad boy and I was feeling good. You know, I loved wearing that watch years later about it, you know, going on a year later now, I don't even really wear it. I don't even really care to look at it. The, the $150 watch that my grandfather gave me before he passed away means 10,000 folds over that Rolex. Yeah. Right. And that's a very, very real, real example near and dear to my heart. Because when you look at the two side by side and you pick one up and you feel something that is absolutely irreplaceable versus something that's more just monetary materialistic you you really start to question yourself and ask what is this all for yeah right because oftentimes you know and i like i said i've seen i've seen this play out many many times and i'm a victim of it as well you think you want the thing until you have it and then you realize it's really not nearly as important as you once thought it was and that maybe just more quality time with your spouse or your family would have brought in you way more happiness than the new car or or the gucci shoes or whatever right whatever your thing is and that's often the case in my opinion same in my experience i mean the material things are just a dopamine hit and mm. and you've got to keep on stretching those things like if it's a lamborghini you've got to get the next lamborghini like to to make it yeah. have any it's like drugs yeah. if you're if you're messing with the material stuff it it's always like the next hit has to be stronger more powerful more intense yeah. and uh that's a tough road to be on too so like you've you've really gotta you've gotta ask yourself those questions and so i mean that, that's a cool perspective that you're having about it already and uh it, it i guarantee that type of perspective probably dictates your path over the next 25 years for sure 
It does. It does. And and again, I had a very, I had a very, very near and dear experience to this at a young age. You know, I, I had my first job at 15. I was working at a, a fairly affluent country club in Michigan. And um, look, man, I, you know, at the time, these guys had more money than I even could even fathom. You know, they were pulling up in brand new Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Maseratis every other week. Right. But at the end of the night, they're still drinking themselves into a hole at my bar because they don't want to go home to their wife and kids you know so i saw that life and i saw the demise of it at a very young and impressionable age you know so yeah it causes you to question what you what you think is uh the direction that you should be chasing or or the 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 targets that you're trying to aspire to and uh so that i mean that's very mature thought process for sure um I feel like I came out of the gate chasing money regardless, um, knowing that there would be <laughs> the potential downfalls of it. And uh, and it took me years of wisdom and obtaining some success and experiencing some of that and then experiencing the loss of it or the, the mishandling of it as well yeah. to, to mature and kind of grow and, and, yeah. and put everything into perspective. Like it really does, like for me, it's about time with my wife and kids and experiences we can do together to the point where my wife and I have like pivoted a lot of our gifts that we buy for our kids. Cause they're like, give me more, give me more, give me more as kids are. And, uh, and, and we've pivoted a lot of our gift giving for holidays and Christmas and things like that into uh, large experiential trips Love that seeing things that they want to do stuff that they can. And, and then my wife builds them, photo albums and shit like that, that they can keep from those situations. And they, they love it. They think more yeah. of that stuff than they ever did of getting like the next four foot tall princess house and all that shit that comes with Christmas gifts. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. It reminds me of my two nephews. My two nephews have literally rooms and rooms and rooms of toys. <laughs> right. And so um, one of them just turned two the other week and, it's like, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? Uh, Hudson? I'm like, I'm not giving him anything. I'm giving him, I'm giving him a check for his college fund or his business fund for when he, you know, they, my sister has a account set aside for them for when they're older. I'm like, these kids don't need more toys. They don't need more shoes. They don't need more junk. Yep. I'm not contributing to this, you know? So I turned, chose to turn the other way. So I love that. I love that yeah. practical gifting. Um, what do you enjoy besides working? You're, you're in Scottsdale now. You came from Colorado. Yeah. I assume you're an outdoors person. You had a mountain bike that was pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, yeah. do you bike a lot? Yeah. Yeah. I love riding, ride dirt bikes far more now. I just, uh, did 30 something miles solo out in the, the single track of the desert yesterday. That was a good time. Um, really, you know, despite this conversation around materialistic things, I do genuinely just love sports, sports cars and trucks in general. Um, so I've got a fairly built out Corvette that me and me and a couple other guys will get our cars together and just go tear up the Canyon roads and push them to the limits. And that's a hoot and a holler. Um, yeah. So I'll, I, you know, it's funny, man. I, I enjoy it all, you know, like I, this whole you know, this whole red pill culture of this high value man thing, right? Like, I know it's so cliche and cringy to talk about, but the reality is for me, you got to have it all. 
Yeah. You can't you can't hide behind one pillar, right? And you see this happen pretty often, right? You see the guy who is absolutely obsessed with being the most jacked guy in the room, right? He's just shredded to the nines. But he's broke, living at home with his mom, right? You got the guy who has more money than you know what to do with. He's got man boobs and a gut hanging over his belt. His wife doesn't even want to make love to him. You can't hide behind one of the pillars. Yeah. Right. So I genuinely enjoy taking down all of them. Right. And this goes through seasons as it, as it did for me, but making strides financially in business, super, super fun. Enjoy every minute of it. Get being in fantastic shape, right. Having an amazing relationship with my significant other, having an amazing relationship with God, like taking down these pillars, uh, one by one, you know, being capable, being able to, to do all of these things. Um, when it all comes, when the culmination of it all comes together into fruition, it's a very, very empowering thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. That speaks to me because the, the tactical empire is about the four pillars of fitness, family, finances, and freedom. And, mm. uh, and, and so we're, we're trying to expand in each of those areas constantly. So exactly what you're talking about is, is our focus of, of what we're, we're doing. And we're trying to be great husbands, great fathers, and make a fuckload of money. And like yeah. that, that's ultimately uh, our purpose. And so, and, and what that does is it raises more leaders and, and we are able to, to pick each other up and kind of raise the standard for everybody around us too, which in turn makes more capable men. 100%, 100%. And the reality of it is, you can't lead anyone around you if you can't even lead yourself. If you don't even have the self-dominion to lead yourself to good choices, good habits, good rituals, etc., how do you ever expect to lead anyone around you? 100%. It starts you with you. You got to master thyself first. Yeah. So. And and never before have we been so like connected that it's it's truly like it's not hard to see your actions and and see if your actions back up your words. And, and I think that that's a huge point that a lot of people miss because there, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people silent, but there's a lot of people running their mouths and, and mm -hmm. their actions aren't generally aligned with truly what, what they espouse themselves to be. Yeah. Yeah. And just to, just to piggyback off that, man, I, every single experience, I mean, I build my mental model off my experiences, right? And so every single experience I've had with the loudest guy in the room or the loudest guy in social media, they're typically always the one doing the least. Yeah. Right. And that's by nature when you, and there's two sides of this fence, guys. Some people will say, talk about your goals, write them down, tell people about your goals, shout them from the mountain shop because it's going to hold you accountable. However, the problem with that is you are releasing dopamine every single time you talk about what you're going to do instead of validating that from the actual source of doing the thing. So you have to be very, very careful around this. And furthermore, most people aren't who you think they are. Most people don't want to celebrate your goals. Trust me. You're oftentimes better keeping them to yourself. That's true. That's true. And you also have a finite amount of time that you can tell people what you're going to do. And nobody without, cares either without following through. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, nobody, cares nobody what you're going to do. So yeah, that's, that's so true. So true. <laughs>
And I, I think that's another thing that's been manifested like through social media and things like that. People are so uptight about like what everyone else is doing and analyzing everybody else's life and being neurotic about like how far behind they are or how far ahead they are or whatever. Um, but it, it's, it's just wild. I think that all of those inputs and stimulation cause most people to flounder their potential and and waste it because they're not actually internally focused on like what they're doing and and they don't do the self audits necessary because there's so many distractions and and the ability to be distracted by every single other thing allows you to get off the hook on like looking in the mirror and saying, who the fuck am I? Yeah. hundred so. percent. But I think for me, it's a beautiful thing though. It's a beautiful, it's a fantastic thing because if, if the majority, and it goes back, like I have this, this, this methodology in my own, in my own sense. And I, it's really your, your ratio of creation to consumption, mm-hmm. right? The more you create versus the more you consume. And I personally feel like that is going to be directly correlated to the level of success. Right. If you're somebody who's just constantly consuming the likelihood of you being extraordinarily successful, I personally feel it's pretty low, right? Because you're not involving yourself in the act of doing. And so the reason why I say that's a fantastic thing is because if 95% of people fall below that threshold, guys like you, we just run them over, dude. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just easy, you know, and I know this, I'm going to sound like a dick here, but like, look, if you're, if you're a young man and you, and you're not making at least a hundred grand right now, like a year, like you're just not trying hard enough. Like now more than ever, has it been easier to make money and your competition, you just, you can run them over if you have half a savage in you, yeah. you know, I tell my kids that all the time. And the, yeah. the gap's just getting wider. I mean, there's there's so many people just sitting in the stands, not doing shit. And and yeah, it, it really does just clear the playing field and and leaves more out there for anybody that's willing to do the work. And so it yes, I'm well morally I struggle with that though, because I'm like, as a society, we should be more fucking competitive. Like I want nothing but competition and killers out yeah. there because then then i have to raise my bar right or you get to compare yourself in in reality whereas like yeah <laughs> so it, it's a double-edged sword there yes it you're absolutely right you're going to be able to take advantage of like like an empty playing field you're going to be playing the junior varsity team and you're going to beat them 88 to 8 and like yeah. <laughs> and and that's yeah. the reality of it but like shouldn't we be playing like higher level competition? Shouldn't we be aspiring to have more leaders and more winners out there competing for the same shit? I would love that, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, we, we can't make choices for other people either. And we can't waste our time, our finite time here, like worrying about them. You can show them the way, but you can't drag them to the success levels that you have. Oh, completely. Completely. Look, you know, I'm not the creator, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not the almighty creator. I'm not the one pulling the strings. I'm not the powers that be or whatever it is that you view. I, I don't, I don't try to change the cards I'm dealt. I just play them. I don't bitch about it, you know? And so 
for me, and, and this is this is a whole nother conversation, man, and it really doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, but you see guys that that get so um they they build so much identity behind either politics or sports or whatever. And oh, the the reason why I'm poor is because of Joe Biden, or the reason why I'm I can't do this is because of Trump. The reason why so it's just like shut up, dude. The reason why you you ain't shit is because you ain't doing shit. <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know. Yep. And uh, and like I said, regardless of what side you align politically, it's just like just play the cards you got, man. You're not gonna change the world, you know. You're not gonna go and change the entire political system. So why are you blaming it? Right, you know. Right. It's such a victim mentality, though, like to give to give another human being that much power over your results is just weak. Yeah. So it's I don't even I don't even allow the victim mentality anywhere near my life, man. (laughs) I really don't. I feel bad for sometimes I feel bad for my my partner. She's she's an absolute sweetheart. And uh, I'm actually looking at her right now. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I came, kind of came in just, this is, this is how it is, you know, just yep. had to give her a lot of like, love is harsh, right? If you love somebody, the likelihood of you having higher expectations for them, wanting to protect them, you know, it's, it's, it's much, much more different than what the modern day uh, play is. Right. So Sure. I just don't allow a lot of, a lot of crap in my life. That's what I'm getting at. I understand. I understand. Keeps you streamlined and able to move forward. Pareto's principle. Less is more for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where can they find you, Chad? If, if people want to reach out to you or follow your journey, where can people find you? Yeah. It's just at, at Chad Whitfeld. Find me online, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, I here's another here's one last thing. If you don't if you don't limit your time on Facebook and Instagram, you get 15 minutes per day on all to, to just waste. You get 15 minutes per day. You can scroll with it, you can go message people, whatever, but you only get 15 minutes per day. That's it. That is easily one of the best life hacks, but it takes discipline. If you go in there and change the settings. And screw it all up, it doesn't count. But if you can limit yourself to 15 minutes per day, that's it on social media. Do it for one month and see how much farther along you get. You will be extraordinarily amazed at how much time, energy, and focus you waste on nothing. I believe it. I believe it. There you go. Chad has just thrown down the gauntlet for a challenge. <laughs> There's your next 30-day challenge, folks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you can find him at Chad Whitfield. It's W-I-T-T-F-E-L-D-T on uh, all the platforms. So we'll throw it in the show notes. Chad, thank you so much for your time today. Keep on kicking ass, man. You've got a bright future ahead of you. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, my man. Thank Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you. on the next episode. Next episode of the Tactical Empire.